Another day, another podcast. Man, my stomach just growled so loud. She's hungry. I'm so hungry. I've eaten half a salad and it's sitting right there. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, this is an unhinged start. I'm so sorry, but it's rainy and I feel cozy and I'm like sleepy and my head's a little, I don't know. I'm just tired. It is a tiring day. Well, no, it's. It's perfect cozy weather. Well, it's like one of those, what, the type of weather I want to pass out. Okay, it's the type of weather that makes me want to like Read a have, good book? Yes, read a good book. Oh, I see Listen what you're doing. Listen to a good podcast. Okay. But no, I more meant like watch like a cozy, like you've got male situations, oh, sleepless yes. in Seattle and just like stay in. I literally told Joel, I'm like, tonight we are watching a rom-com after we put Tess to sleep and I'm getting a beer and we're just going to cozy up. Come like on. I literally want to do that so badly. So it's the perfect weather, but that means I'm like just a little out of it right now. No, I feel the same. All day. I've been, I, I did a training today for my work. Okay. And I was the whole time, I was just like, I'm about to pass out. And then we get in the car and I almost did pass out because it's just like the rain. And you, but you're not a coffee drinker either. No. What do you do? Because I feel like since having Tess, I've had multiple coffees a day mm-hmm. and I have to cut myself off at like 2 p.m. and be like you cannot have another one because it will jack up your sleep and hers for sure for sure um I pray okay okay she and says I, say, I am holy I say lord give me strength okay because <laughs> I can't do it on my own and somehow I manage okay honestly your teeth are whiter than mine so it's probably good for you <laughs> you know I literally am always like I need to stop drinking coffee because I'm sure that's also ruining my or teeth. drink it through a straw oh See, that's just it won't stain your teeth. It's an extra step. Well, that I'm not willing to take. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Wait, how have you been? Was your training good? It was good. Um, I got this new job, y'all. I'm a youth pastor now. No okay. big deal. Right okay. so I'm partnering with a with a place in the community that goes out and reaches out to kids and stuff like that. And so it's just a training, and I learned a lot about really? how to teach the Bible as a story in a way that students who have never heard the Bible would completely understand and actually want to know more. And so I'm like, okay, so now I get it. She's like, no, I'm learning. I'm learning on the job, which is the best way to do it. It is the best way to do it. I feel like you can never, you never fully arrive, if that makes sense. Like you never learn everything you need to know. Even people that have been doing it for years, I'm sure that they're always hit with realizations of new things that they can learn, new ways to teach. And it's awesome. And also maybe realize that like whenever I go to, when I was younger and I would see people in the church or even being a part of another church or just as a volunteer, like, you see the people in charge and you think they know what they're doing. But now as I am the person in charge, I can say, <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. We are flying by the foot of our pants and we're just making it, baby. You know what? But you're doing it well. Thank, you're thank doing you. it well. Like, it's not me, it's the Lord. Like, genuinely, the Lord it's is crazy. keeping you alive at your work and keeping you alive to survive the day without yep. caffeine. Oh, amen. Honestly, good for you. Good job. <laughs> so the book we read for this week's podcast is Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And no, we're not camping. We're not reading about hiking. <laughs> we are not those girls, even though we live in the PNW. <laughs> that is not our story. I wish I was that girl. I love being outside and I love hiking and camping, but yes. I would not say that that's like a huge part of my personality. Like You know who I am? Oh, who? On the inside, I know I'm a cottage girl. Girl, curl, girly. I know cottage I core. Am, cottage core girly. I know I am because like, I want to walk through gardens. Yes. And I want the pet cow. I just don't got the money to be cottage core. See, pet cow scares me because it's like at some point that 
cow can no longer be a pet. It's yes, either got a cows, a miniature cow. I've yes. heard of miniature pigs. Yes, they got them all miniature. Everything I want them all. You want all the tiny ones? Yes, the tiny ones. See, that won't work pet for cottage core though because you Why? have to actually have animals that produce. I don't. Yes, you do. I don't. How are you going to survive on the land? Um, vegetables. Okay, <laughs> she's like, we will not be drinking. I don't, milk. I don't eat milk. I don't oh. drink milk anyway. <laughs> <laughs> drink it. Oh my, my walnuts. Okay. My almonds. You're going to milk almonds? Yeah. I hate that for Okay. You. All right. <laughs> well, this book, Braving the Wilderness, <laughs> has nothing to do with cottagecore or outdoors. It's actually, I would say, mm. I would categorize this book as like a leadership slash self-study book. Like Self-reflect, yes, maybe. Yeah. I wouldn't even necessarily, it's like self-help is a big category, but I wouldn't really say self-help because I don't think that really captures the fullness of what she's trying to do. And For this sure. woman has a degrees. So I feel like she has the <laughs> credentials Come on. to be given us stuff that's higher than self-help. Because a lot of people will write a self-help book and that's like, what? I feel like she's just telling you what to do. This woman? Renee? In a way. Oh, she's interesting. Like, she's like, I feel like she's just laying down the facts. True. Yes. I mean, literally this book took me three to four hours. It's a short read. One setting to read. Like I literally just sat down and read it. And a good chunk quarter of this book at the end is like notes, annotations, like Mm -hmm. all, basically her citing all the details, all the information where she got it from. So you're right. She's just telling us the truth. She's telling us the truth. So if you don't know who Brene Brown is, which is so funny because (laughs) Mar, you did it. At all, and we learned in multiple ways. But you <laughs> picked this book, and it cracked me up. And so I was so excited because I love Brene Brown, and I've seen her TED talks. Like she's very famous and inspirational, and did like a lot of groundbreaking work. So I was like, "Why did you pick it?" I totally picked this book because I thought it was a fiction book <laughs> about. She thought it was a story of someone actually in the wilderness. I did, <laughs> and let me tell you, I also thought it was like a. I thought it was like a self care book. Based off of a woman who goes in the wilderness. That kills me. Um, And what it turned out to be was a <laughs> metaphor. The wilderness is a metaphor for life and how you got to <laughs> brave through it. Um, I but did, it was so good. I did wish she would explain, because she has a literal acronym for braving, which to me and my like type A personality was very helpful. I'm like, yeah. oh, I get it. But then the wilderness is just... The world. Like, the it's world. Like, the wilderness is whatever you want it to be. Yeah, the wilderness the is... The, it's your life. Yeah. Yes. Anytime and, it feels a little... A little hairy. You're like, this is a wilderness. And if you do not who know, if you do not know who Brene Brown is, okay, like I did not know she was a real person. Oh my gosh! So when she starts talking, like when the story and starts, I thought we were talking about like a fictional character here. I was like, wow, like yeah. So she's a good storyteller because I was like, I'm crying. She's real. She okay. <laughs> so this woman has a PhD. Okay, so she's 57 years old. She's an American professor, author. She also hosts a podcast. She got super popular in 2010 when she did a TEDx talk on like vulnerability and leadership and a whole, like something that was interesting about that is they, like a little tidbit, if you will, is that they, for those discussions, they're like dress business professional. So she like was in the back room and she had on like the black, like tights Mm. and the dress and like the heels and everything. And that's not her at all. So literally right before her talk, she like went and changed into like jeans, a clog, like her clogs and t-shirt. And she, she got big off of that. Yeah, exactly. She literally, and because she was like, I'm talking about authenticity, vulnerability, yeah. all these things, and I'm dressed like I would never dress in my yeah. life. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, so she got super popular 2010, and she has her PhD um, in social work from the University of Houston, and she's been teaching there for 20 years. And I thought it was interesting because a lot of her work 
talks about like diversity. It talks about vulnerability, leadership, all these things. And she's been teaching at a university, which is the most racially and ethnically diverse research university in the US. That's crazy. Which I thought was so crazy. And yeah, so I just thought it was really funny that you picked this book though and thought it was going to be story time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you, so good. Yeah, wait. Tell tell the tell the lovely listeners what happened um, because you listened to it in two and a half times speed. I did. Let me tell I you what. It up, Let me tell you what. No. Yeah. This never is again. done for you. <laughs> I rebuke two that. Speed is the key, though. Like <laughs> I understand two times, but when I got to two and a half, I was like, okay, you're doing too much. Um, basically, this talks about a lot of racial things in here because Brene grew up in um more of a African American community. She was one of the only the white uh, one of the white people living there. But the way I listened to the audiobook, yo, y'all, <laughs> so don't come for me. But basically, uh, the way that it comes off, and mind you, I have never seen a picture of Brene. Which wow. this made me laugh so hard because, again, you picked the book, and she's famous. Like, she's, like, not a, a small picker. name. So it really killed me with this. <sighs> keep going. Kill me with to, to books, find this I out. have no idea who these people are. See, I just want you to know that. But if you look at the cover, like, right now, if you're and looking at this cover. cover. What? Oh, well, yeah. There's yeah. nobody on it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, look up here. You see all of her credentials underneath? What's that say? PhD, L- LMSW. Like, these are her credentials. See, I am so, blind. From, okay. So from over here, it looks like it says Phil. I was like, who's <laughs> Phil? A co-writer? <laughs> so, <laughs> I have no idea who Renee Brown is. So I while love I'm you. listening to this... In this book, she really talks about the fact that she had a hard time belonging, right? She moved into an area that was predominantly African-American. And so that was around the time when segregation was first starting to just go away, you know, Mm -hmm. and people were coming together more. And so she goes to a school that is... Um, predominantly African-American. And so she feels left out. Um, She's having a hard time belonging. Obviously, there's racial tension there. Um, She's even just finding a hard time, she mentions, even fitting in with some of her white friends because of her name, Brene Brown. They noticed that there's a lot of African-American girls who also had the name Brene. Specifically, well, her first name is actually Cassandra. Yes. And so, but that's why. They thought it was a black name. Yeah. And so... She mentioned that she was having a hard time. She That's why she never got invited to her white friend's party. And so since I did not know what she looked like, and in the beginning of the book, it talks about how she felt like she didn't belong, and there's the segregation, and that she lived in a product, like she lived in an African-American community and didn't fit in with her white friends, I thought that this woman was an African-American woman. So this whole entire book, I was like, man, this girl's like she's spitting facts. Like she, I was like, this is an African American woman who said, I've had enough, okay, of all this crap. And then I get here, I'm like, this is crazy. Like I don't know who Brene Brown is, this African American woman, and Sadie's like, who? <laughs> I was just like, who are you talking? I was like, who are you talking about? She says, she's not a white woman. Well, there's just nothing wrong with that. But then she shows me a photo of this white woman. I was like, that's not her name, Brown. Like, this is a that's very white woman. That's Cassandra. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> I was like, I was confused. I was like, this is a very white woman, ma'am. Like, Which I love. Like, yes. She still had great points. But it's just <laughs> funny that everything that I thought about this book was from an African-American's uh, viewpoint versus a white person's viewpoint. I feel like it really changes what you thought the book was about. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. Good. Yes, which it just killed me. I thought that was so funny. I, we were just like <laughs> minutes before recording this. Mars like, who? I'm like, who are you? I would have been on here talking about a whole different book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
It was good though. But yeah, so the book is only, it's seven chapters. It's a very quick read, but it is very deep. So I feel like I read it one setting. I took actually a lot of notes just for my own personal, like, I'm like, that is intriguing. And I feel like it's absolutely one you could reread again really deeply, like with a notebook or a journal or something next to you to kind of like work through some of the things that she talks about. Um, and kind of the whole title is Braving the Wilderness. So she has this like acronym for braving, which is her way of talking about trust. So she kind of, it's it's talking about a lot of things that were a predominant issue in 2017, which was like coming right off the back of like the 2016 election when Donald Trump was voted president. And there was like a lot of obviously just turmoil and strife and people were just separating like crazy. Like there was literally like, even just, not even just politically, it, it just was like a very tense time of disconnection. And even, I'm so curious, actually, after reading this, I was like, I wonder if she has written something. I did not look, but I wonder if she's written something after COVID. Oh, wow, Because I yeah. feel like that would be where a lot of this stuff, I'm like, this needs to be, have a resurgence. Like, this For needs sure. to be read right now. Because it's For literally, sure. it was published in 2017. So it was yeah. right after all that, but. That's crazy. I was 17. Oh, my gosh. I just got married. I was in high school, so I was I was a senior. Wow. See, I hate, I hate, oh, I hate it now when people are like throwing back to the years and I'm like, wait a minute, that was not that long ago. And then I, I think about it, I'm like, oh, that was a whole elementary. No. <laughs> no. Isn't there a five year difference between you and me? Yes. I'm going to be 27. 27. Oh, you're only, you're only, no, you're not. Yes, I am. Oh, so you're only a three year difference. How old are you? I'm 23. That's four years. Wait, that's a four years. That's a four year difference. You're 26 right now. Yes. But right now I'm 23. But you just turned 23. So three plus three. No, but that's three and a half. <laughs> I did not just turn 23. It feels like a second ago, but I guess I was back on Earth Day. Earth Day, birthday, Earth Day, birthday, baby. baby. Anyway, sorry. Oh my gosh, you guys, sorry. So basically her whole idea of this book is talking about how to build trust and connection because she oh. actually has a really interesting thought where she says disconnection is a spiritual crisis. Which I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, I don't know a lot of PhD backed people who are putting out research. And she is very much like, she's not writing like fluffy books. Like yeah. she is very much being like, this is thousands and thousands of dollars of like research and or money that went into this research. Yeah. It's backed and it's very scientific and it's informational. But I don't know a lot of people that would qualified disconnection as a spiritual crisis. My stomach again. Goodbye. I'm so sorry, you guys. She's a mother. I need to eat food. Um, But basically she talks about how trust is what has kind of been breaking down in specifically the U.S., but then how that's kind of led to all this disconnection. Mm -hmm. So she talks about how braving is an acronym for boundaries, reliability, accountability, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. And so how of those are like the most important things that you need when you're going into the wilderness, which whatever yeah. that is for you. Like for some people, I guess it's their house, it's their home, it's their people in their life, it's yeah. their workplace, it's their school, whatever it is. But I thought we could, I mean, we can just like hit that acronym really quick and share our thoughts on it, I guess. But for the boundaries, it was um, you respect my boundaries when you're not clear about, when you're not clear about that and that's okay, you ask, you're willing to say no. Then reliability was you do what you say you do. This means staying aware of your competencies and limitations so you don't overpromise and are able to deliver on commitments and balance competing priorities. That one's hard for me. Yeah. That one's hard for me. Mostly because I was always, I don't know how you were, but I was I always was like the if I said I was gonna be somewhere, I would be there regardless of how I was feeling in the moment. OMG. 
Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like, minutes before, I'd be like, this is, I am so exhausted. I'm not going to be a fun time or I'm really annoyed right now about something else or whatever's going on. But I'd be like, I said I was going to be there. So yeah. I would show up. Can I be honest? Yes. I'm the exact same way. Okay. But I think, I feel like it's a skill mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people who do the complete opposite. And right. it has to be a balance, of course. But I'm a very big person that believes in if you say you're going to do something, you better do it. And this is what she talks about. Is she says, know your boundaries. Right. When you, Make sure your no is a no and your yes is a mm-hmm. yes. Because I recently just had something in my life where someone said that they were going to be there for something and they changed their minds, okay. you know, after they already said they were going to be there. And it put me in a really bad predicament. And the, I mean, the reason they changed their minds wasn't for mental health or things like that. I feel like that is good. Like if you need a break, you right. know, that some your friends should be willing to accept that. But there's some people who just change their minds just because, well, this is what I'm going to do today. And it's like, I think you're letting the people around you down when you don't show up when you say you're going to be there. Because if I ask you to show up and you say you're going to be there for me, it means a big deal that you actually did what you said you were going to do. Right. You know, I think that's outside of medical and mental health and things like that. But if it's like, oh, I just felt like going and doing this today instead. I was like, I love what she says. Know your boundaries. Make your yes a yes and make your no a no. Yes. You know, but I think... So I think it would be a skill that you're like that because I'm the same way. See, it's so, it, and I love that because there's two there's two sides of that, right? Where it's like, I think you should be a person. And I, well, I value that in other people. So I want to, whenever I have a value in someone else, if I'm like, I really love that this person, whatever it is, like doesn't speak ill of other people or they're like always showing up when they say they are or they're like, they go out of their way for people. Those are then things that I realize, okay, then I value that. So I need to be like that mm. myself. If I really care about that in other people, I should care about that myself. Yeah. So it is important where it's like, I want to be someone that my friends, if I say I'm going to be at your event or I say I'm going to show up, that I will, yeah. you know, or I'll communicate about it, but I will be there. But then at the other side of it, you can go to the extreme where you are, like, I don't want to show up and be grumpy somewhere. I don't want to show sure. up and be so exhausted or, like, my home situation is not good. And I'm just like, I've committed to being yes. there, so I'm going to go regardless. Yeah. Like, so I think that that's a really interesting one. But I do think reliability, it's so undervalued yeah. these days, especially in, like, Gen Z. I'm just going to say Come it. For the I'm Gen just going to say it. I'm mad but, at the Gen but Z. But it's like they're told. I am the Gen okay? Z. Okay. <laughs> love it but I don't ever want to overgeneralize so it's more of like I think it's more of like maybe what's being valued and taught from like millennial or older parents down to mm. you know what I'm saying like the what's being communicated is care so much about your mental health care so much about what you're feeling that okay in that moment if you're like um, I don't feel it then you just yeah. won't go it's like well no that's very different yeah. than being a reliable person so that was the R in brave and then A is accountability which is you make your own, oh, you own your mistakes, apologize mm-hmm. and make amends. And I thought that was just, it's very simple. It's like once you realize if you've made a mistake, you've hurt someone, you own it. Like, Amen. that's it. You know what? That's it. You know what? <laughs> that is a good point. Because sometimes I'll be out, you know what? That's the bare minimum. Oh, that let is me, the bare minimum. Let me call, that's oh, the oh, bare, careful. No, I'm careful. Careful. No, no, no. I, I just say that is the bare minimum. Like now, I, I understand that some people have skills in different places. And yes. sometimes we are taught to do things differently. Like how you said, it's 
brought down from each generation. Yes. And so, yes, we can't help that. But when we notice that a way that we've been doing things has not been helpful, has been hurtful to other people, maybe we should take a step back and realize that I should be holding myself accountable and recognize that I don't want to be that way anymore and I need to do better. Right. Because I think so often... And I'm not perfect. I, you know, I am not perfect. But one thing I do value about myself is that I don't like hurting people. And if I notice that I hurt someone, I will. I need to go out of my way and be like, that's not who I am. What I did, I should not have done that. And like, I apologize. But I feel like lately in my own world, I've been noticing more people that would be like, that's not my fault that you feel that way. And Ooh, I was like, interesting. But just because it was not your intention, you can't, it, it's... The impact. Right. A hundred percent. You can literally say like, I am so sorry. I did not intend to do this in a way that would make you feel that way. That I am so sorry. Do you know what though? Can I just say, I'm so sorry is a full sentence. Point blank stop. That's all you need. (laughs) I am sorry. Well, I think it's more of like you, of course, like, you know, if you have a relationship with a person, right. And they come to you, they said, Hey, you've hurt me. Or you go to them and you're like, I realized I was doing this. I'm so sorry. Yeah then you hopefully have like that connection with that person where you know that's not their character. You no. know that's not their intention. Yes. So that when they say you're sorry, you're like, yeah, I of course. Like, And that more reaffirms the friendship and the yes. relationship where it's like, oh, okay, you, they don't have to say, that's not my intention because you should know that that's not their yeah. intention to ever hurt, you know? So I think it's more of like, just say I'm sorry. Yeah. And, but, it, but I get the human side of it where you want them to understand this is genuinely what I was yeah. thinking. This is where I was coming from. I would never say something For to her. Sure. So I get that that's important, but I do think just, I'm sorry. Yeah. And if you say, I'm sorry, you, the apology is then nulled at yeah. that point. It's done. It's X out yeah. because you're talking about, oh, you feel this. You No, no, no. Yeah. The apology, you own it. You take your mistakes. You make amends. For sure. So that's the A. V is vault. You don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. I need oh. to know that my confidences are kept and that you are not sharing with me any information about other people that should be confidential. Oh, gossip. Oh, and here's the thing. I she said somewhere in this book too that gossip and sharing stories is like trying to hardwire connection. Mm. If you're trying to connect with someone, we are so sorry if you heard that. But we I'll are in the world. That is no. <laughs> that was a car, all right? That was a car. No, I just love it though because she talked about how it's People can use gossip or talking about other people or stories or like, I feel like this is very common in workplace settings where it's like you bond over um, hating on something, whether Mm, it's like, oh, "Oh, this customer came in, they're so annoying or, oh, this patient walked out and they're super rude or, oh, like this was super frustrating. And it's easy to, it's called also a bid for connection. Like you're offering up something for them to connect with you over. And so she talks about how gossip is like that or when you're sharing things that you shouldn't be sharing you're just trying to really quickly connect and bond with someone. And I thought that was really important. She's like, you be a vault. Yeah, that's Lock really down. good. That's an area I need to work on. Not in the part of like, if people ask me to keep a secret or if I'm like, I don't, I don't, I won't be telling people's business. Oh, you know? 100%. Like that's not my place. But the part of like, oh, if you get irritated with someone, like you could, I could, I'm going to be honest with you, my fault. I could be sitting there for a straight <laughs> 30 minutes being like, I cannot believe they have the audacity. Like, I like it's it's getting out of hand. The other day I went to the fair. Mar- <laughs> okay, I went to the fair and I was petting a cow, okay? Your favorite animal. My favorite animal. And Not I, you with the cow slippers. Yeah, amen. <laughs> she wears them all the time. She'll show up to my place and I'm like, 
You have cow slippers. And she said, I forgot I was wearing them. Hey, Amen. They're, they're just, just like the, your feet at this the point. Best. I was at the fair and I'm petting this cow. It's late. Everyone's like going home. There happens to be a sign that says, don't pet the cows. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Okay, but. But like, you don't tell farmers not to pet the cow. Well, but you're tell not you a farmer, ma'am. At, you're right. Okay, <laughs> she, <babe. laughs> She's like literally dumbfounded. She's like, I, 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 I am a farmer at heart. Okay, basically, I'm petting this cow. Where I'm just giving it a little ear itch. Okay, and it was so cute because the cow needed it. It wanted some lovings that day. And this girl from across the park, and she doesn't even work there. I think that was my problem. If it was someone that was worked there, I'd be like, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I saw the sign. I, I'm sorry. I won't touch the cow. But it was like this 16-year-old girl. Oh, here I am. Oh. <laughs> my, I, I'm, I'm just calling myself out, basically. I'm just not trying to guess it. Basically, the girl just told me from across the room, she goes, don't touch the cow. And I was like, I'm going to touch the cow. You did not. The cow, and then I touched the cow again. And she's like, cows carry deadly diseases. And I said, so do humans. And we I, I thought you were about to say so do you. No, and I was no, no, like, no. Mariah. I, but then for the, and I was just, all right, whatever. I'll walk away. Like, I was like, she's just You yelled back, you, I'm going to touch the cow if I want to. Yes. I love you. But that's also so. She ex- there. She just a random person walking by telling me not to catch a cow. And I was like, it's a. But I feel like we've had this conversation about like the feds at the edge of the cliff and like how we saw all these people going over it and this random person yelled at them. You're like, that would have been me too. Yes. Okay. But that would, then in this case, you're the 16 year old girl yelling at you. Yes. So you can't have it all, ma'am. You can't have it both ways. (laughs) And I never said I wasn't. Okay. I'm pointing out that this is a flaw in my area. I love you. Because the next, for the next 20 minutes while I was walking back to the car with my friend, I was like, I just can't believe. <laughs> she told me not to touch the cow. Like, that cow needed love. Cows have feelings, too. Like, I was, like, going off. And it wasn't until I got home that I was like, I really got so upset over someone told me not to touch the cow. And I wasn't even supposed to be touching it. That is so funny, Mar. But like this woman, you know, Brene, she's like, she's like, you bond over that. Yeah. And then I, when I read that today, I was like, oh, I was like, okay, that's me. And that's something that I don't want. I don't want, because my friend was like, I know, like, my friend right. probably was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> but the fact, it's the fact that I pulled somebody else in. Ooh. To my own like selfishness of being like, I should be allowed to do this even when I was told you're not supposed to do this. And somebody called me out for doing something I wasn't supposed to do. And I was selfish and was like, no, that person's blah, blah, blah. You know? And so when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, I, need, I do need to be a vault of like, even if I'm feeling that way. Right. And even if I'm around people who like they love me and they know she's just having the moment. This isn't how she usually is. It's just a cow, you know, whatever. We have to be careful with what we say because we pull other people in to um, our selfish ways when we do that. 100%. And I so couldn't I have like, said it better. So it's so, like, wow. And it's also so free important. Free the cows. Okay. <laughs> go to our Instagram and you go hashtag free the cows. Come on. I honestly love so much when I see people. I've co- commented something on our Instagram that we've asked them to the podcast because it just makes me laugh. I'm like, you're real. So yeah, hashtag free the cows. Come but honestly, on. I love that that's the point you want them to leave yes. from that story. Yeah, be a vault. Be a vault. Well, I think it's also important to have a vault person. So it's like have someone in your life that is someone you respect, looked up to, will take advice from, like whether that is in a business area, whether it's in personal, whatever, that you can basically say, hey, and not gossip, but say, hey, 
this is something I'm struggling with, whether it's in relationship or I, I don't know what to do about this. Can you yes. help me? But it needs to be defined. That needs to be defined, whether like that kind of dynamic, because then otherwise it can be confusing of, are you gossiping? Are you sharing? Yes. And it's not, you don't have five vault people. You have one you, vault person. Yes. And it's like, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to ask you, can you be someone that keeps me accountable? Can you yeah. be a person that if I'm going to bring a situation or something, I'm not sure how to handle this. I want to act wisely. I want to act in a way that's like helpful to those around me sure. and myself, can you be that person for me? So have a vault person and be a vault. That's, I think that's so good. good. Yep. And then I is integrity. Again, we're saying the acronym braving if you didn't, mm-hmm. if you forgot, because we've been going off. But integrity <laughs> is you choose courage over comfort. You choose what is right over what is fun, wow. fast, and easy. And you choose to practice your values rather than simply professing them. Wow. That's good. That's if so I could good. drop the mic, I would, but Joel would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, you choose courage over comfort. I think that's like, it's so scary to be the person that's either walking. I mean, that girl probably was scared, Mars. She probably was saying, don't touch the cows. It says don't no, touch. No, she rolled her eyes at me. She oh. was one of those. She was a Gen Zer. That's <gasps> why I said, let's call them out. Okay. <laughs> Even though I'm a Gen Z, and so okay. I need to call it out too. <laughs> okay. But it's choosing courage over comfort. I think that's yes, really good. Choosing yes. to do what's right over what's fun, fast, and easy. And I think that's key. It's like, I was actually talking to... My little sisters about this when I was last in Arizona and I was telling them they were just talking about a situation and they kind of were feeding into Mm. just being young and dumb and fun and whatever. And Mm. I literally was like, okay, but you know what's actually cool? What's being cool is being the girls that are inviting other people in. What's being cool is being the one that's like (laughs) making everything right. And I I just true, but you sound so old saying that. I know, but I literally was telling them, I was like, no, if you like you are the it girl when you walk into a room and you make everyone feel welcome. You're the it girl when you walk into a situation and everyone else is being like, No, no, that's stupid. And you're like, No, it's not. You are. Like you you genuinely are. And I know though when you're that age, you're like, No, I just want to be stupid and funny. Like it's hilarious that we broke things. I'm like, no, it's not because like, yeah. one day you're gonna get older and be like, oh, that was so stupid yeah. of me. But all the girls and all the people in general in like friendship groups slash situations when I was growing up that I thought were the coolest were the people that just made everyone feel welcome. Everyone yes. was in like everyone's in the group, easy going. Yes, you're just like you were the one that's like making the right call, but not being annoying about it, For not being sure. stupid, and just like in your face about it. But I think that's what I was trying to say is I was like, that's integrity. Like you, but it that's cool, but you don't have that mindset. I feel like. That comes out and can be pulled out of you yeah. if people say that to you when you're younger. If people hopefully say, no, this is what's cool and this is actually yes. what's important. But yeah, of course, like when you're that age, you're like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. That's so good too because it's talking about like as like a Christian standpoint of like we don't live for our flesh and we do what the Lord asks us to even when it's hard and even when it's against what we want because it's like he knows what's better. And when we do that, he blesses us with so much more. 100%. And so it's like, oh man, don't, yeah, don't be, don't be calm. Don't touch the cows. No, don't touch the cows. <laughs> so the N in braving is for non-judgment. It's defined by, I ask for what I need and you can ask for what you need. We talk about how we feel without judgment. Wow. I think that is so critically missing in like a lot of conversations with friends or relationships in conflict is like asking for what you need. They ask for what they need. And then you can talk about how you feel without judgment. I know so many situations where I'm like, I am so scared to talk to this person and tell them this is how I'm feeling, or this is what they said that made me feel a type of way. But I know I need to, because I can feel that in the friendship or I feel that in the Mm. relationship dynamic but it's so scary if you're not sure how they're going to react. And I've had plenty of interactions, whether it's like in relationship, friendship, work, social, anything where it's like, 
it didn't go well. Mm. And it just, it had to fester like that for a little bit or it, it sat like that for a little bit and it's so uncomfortable, but you have to actually do that because how else are you going to be able to, like you have to be the one to start kind of talking about, hey, this is what happened. This is how I feel. Yeah. And if they don't respond well, then they don't respond well. But it's like, you have to keep doing that. And it's so hard. That is really hard. Yeah. I had like, um, gosh, I keep telling y'all stories. Love it. Basically, so I, like I've been, with a few of my friends or like just having this feeling of like Hunter and I feeling like lonely lately mm-hmm. or um, some of our friends not showing up in the way that they used to. Mm-hmm. And I was allowing kind of like anger where it's like you Ooh. expect people to um, just know what you need, Ooh. right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know what you need. And then when my friends said something really good, they're like, we're all so focused on ourselves, mm-hmm. sometimes to a fault mm-hmm. that we forget what the people around us need. And it's not because we don't care, but it's just because there's so much going on with ourselves. And so I recently, like I got my nails done with a friend and she they was- look good. <laughs> Thank you. They look it's so first, good. It's the first step, people. It's the first step. Almond shape for those that know. Shirt, you know <laughs> U.S. nails, shout out to okay. you. <laughs> but like, um, she was one of the people that I had been feeling like, man, like, She's not around anymore. Mm. Like I reach out and there's just nothing, you know? And so I just told her, but I found this freeing part of like me, instead of telling her exactly what I needed, I apologized for not being what she needed because of like- Reverse psychology. Reverse psychology. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When we, I love what she says, like ask what, tell them what you need and let them tell you what they need. Mm -hmm. Because I was so focused on the fact, I was like, but I need this and I don't have any community lately. And it's like, we're just sitting at home and like, you know, all this stuff. Right. And it's like, I never really sat down and thought about like, well, why is this person like this anymore? And I got to hear like what this person had been going through. And in return, they're like, but I also recognize that I hadn't been what you needed either. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we enter of like, you know, I've been needing this and you haven't been given it, it ends up in like a horrible way. Yeah. But when we enter the conversation and say, listen, there's probably something I've been doing that like you need more or you need a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And I've been feeling the same way. And it's just like a more mutual thing. So I love that she said to just be honest about what you need because it probably opens the door for other people to be honest about what they need as well. 100%. I mean, I always think about like how, like where my priorities lie and where my time's going, all these things. And even just alone, like I have nine siblings. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, and then with Joel's family, he has five siblings and then there, a lot of them are married. So those are my friends as well. And then it goes out my parents and then it goes out to like it, immediately if I have like two friends, it's like the people that I'm trying to stay close with and connected with, it can get so overwhelming. Yes. And so it is really important to kind of figure out like where, what is, what is that person experiencing? Because you can totally be seeing something in your own light. Like, and even like with my siblings, like I, I don't know if you saw, have you seen the trend about the Roman empire? Have you seen that question? The Roman Empire? No. It's like asking guys in your life, they were asking like boyfriends or partners or whatever, but like how many times a day or how how much do you think about the Roman Empire? Have you seen that trend? No. Okay. So literally it's so funny. They ask all the guys and the answers are shocking. Some of these guys are like, I think about the Roman Empire once a week. No Some of them are literally like, um, they're literally, they all almost answer the same. And like girls are like hiding their phone kind of. (laughs) And they're literally like, the Roman Empire, Mmm. I don't know, like once, like once a month, twice a month. I'm like, what? So then I called every single one of my brothers. No, you didn't. I did, all five of them. And I literally was asking them. I'm like, I just literally called them. I said, hey, so random. How many times, what do you think about the Roman Empire? And so funny. Almost all of them, except one was like, oh, had a specific answer of how many times, (laughs) what they thought about. But it's, but I, all that to say, like, they literally, 
I didn't know that about them. And everyone's in their own little world. And so it's like, I, you think you know people and then you reach out. It's like, you just kind of have to, it's so easy. Like you're saying to just kind of be doing life and what's immediately around you. And then you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, like all these other things. And so I think, yeah, that's so important to kind of be able to ask for what you need, tell them what you need and both talk about it without like offense, you know, for sure. That's so good. And then the last letter in the acronym G is generosity. You extend the most generous interpretation possible to the intentions, words, and action of others. And I have actually genuinely always lived, I have tried really, really hard to always live by that. And Mm -hmm. I, but I just say never assume. I always say never assume, or I always say assume the best. Literally, it'd be like, whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing, just assume the best possible because then there's no reason for you to be mad. It's like literally unless someone's upset at me or unless someone verbalizes, hey, this is what's going on. I'm like, I'm not going to read into it. I'm not because you can just spend hours in that wheelhouse of being like, oh, did I hurt them? Is this the intention? Mm. This is what I said. It's like, assume the best. That's so good. And so I love the way she phrased it though. The most, give the most generous interpretation to their words, actions, and intentions. That's so good. So good. So good. Love it. So that was Braving the Wilderness. That was her acronym. And guys, that was just, let me tell you what, that's just chapter two. Dead. I am not even kidding you. There's so much in this book that's incredible. She does. She talks about a lot about having the sense of belonging and how she lost her sense of belonging from um what was it? She went she went and she had a cheerleading right, a drill team. Oh, that style. was heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. She basically, when she was in eighth grade, they moved from Washington to Houston and her parents' marriage kind of began to end. And they Basically, so her home life was like, she always just remembered fighting, like always, always, always loud fighting all the time. And so then basically she goes to this new school in Houston, eighth grade, middle school. She's like ready to meet friends. She's ready for school to be like a safe place. And there's these girls that's part of this drill team, right? And she just sees them as like, oh, there's like all this order and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like I can fit in. I can be a part of this group. And so she practices this drill forever and spends all this time. Well, she shows up to the drill, like the day, the tryouts, and all these girls are like decked to the nines. They yeah. have like the bow, they have the hair, they have the outfit, everything. And she's literally just in like shorts and a t-shirt, whatever. Yeah. Like she didn't know and no mm-hmm. one told her and her parents didn't know and anything. And so she's like, does the uh, drill and she's like, I nailed it. Yeah. She gets in the car and she's like, oh, super confident. And her parents both had had like a background in like sports and drill team. And they, mm-hmm. so they all were kind of knew what that entailed. And literally... She goes to the day that they find out and her car is all packed. All of her family's in the car because they're going straight on a road trip after this. And she goes up and she looks for her number to see if it's on the paper saying she got in and she didn't. Yeah. And then the most heartbreaking thing about this though is she gets back in the car. She tells her parents, nothing. Yeah. Silence. They They don't don't respond. They don't respond. Yeah. And they just go on the trip. And I just, there's so many moments like there's, not so many, that's dramatic. There's certain moments in my childhood, in my life that I remember as being very, very pivotal for reasons, maybe negative or hurtful or, or whatever, very specific memories. And I just feel like you never know. I was thinking about this, like you never know for your kid what that's going to be unless you're close with them and, and you're asking them. Mm. Like what is that memory? It's going to just stick in and lock and shape something about herself. And this was that for her. Yeah, for sure. I um, <clears throat> It's so crazy because... Uh, the fact that her parents didn't say anything, like, just kind of reminded me. When I was at this training today, um, it had, like, a paper to fill out to see, like, the traumatic events that have gone, like, in your life. Just so you could be aware of what you go through so you can help students 
you know, with what they've yeah. gone through. And one of the things I did not really was a traumatic event was when they said that, did your parents rarely ever like compliment you or lift you up or anything like that? And it just made me realize that like in my family, I had never heard like anything good. There was never like, they never went out of the way of like, wow, you just so good with this today. Or like you, like my parents, not to toot my own horn, but I am a singer and I think I'm a good one. You are. Um, my parents have never in my life have talked about my singing. And I've sang in choir. I've had solos. I did a drama and sang there. Never mm-hmm. once has there ever been a comment on it. But it just wasn't talked about to the point where we had a piano in the house and I would never like play it or I'd get nervous if I was home alone, I'd sing. But as soon as I heard them in the like the walk in the front door, I'd like shut it down, run back to my room and be like, oh, I can't do that in front of them. Mm. Cause it was something that wasn't talked about. And it just mm. made me realize there is something so powerful in affirming your children and affirming the gifts that they were given and also affirming the fact that your gifts are not who you are. And so little Brene, what she, is it Brene? Yep. Little Brene <laughs> in this month, thank you. What she needed in this moment was comfort. And she needed to see that like, okay, you didn't make it, but guess what? That's not who you are. And you tried your best and I am proud of you no matter what. The drill, just because I was on the drill team, her mother was on the drill team. It's like, just because I was on it doesn't mean you need to be on it. Maybe that's not what you're supposed to be doing. But when you okay. all you hear is silence, it really makes you question like, am I good at this? Because everybody wants to be affirmed by their parents, by the one that, who created them. And it's like silence just lets you fill in the blank. As a kid, you take silence and you go, okay, I guess it means this. You fill it in with your own assumptions and answers. And I think that is so, so, so important, especially from a parent dynamic to a child of don't let them assume what you think or feel about them. Make sure they know it. And it's like, and I think that's the thing too, is like constantly having that closeness, not even closeness, I guess, but the ability, like where your child, that you can ask them those questions and they can answer them. Mm-hmm. If they don't feel safe or they don't feel like they can give you an answer, then that's something that's missing there. Because yeah. you know what I mean? You can say like, oh, it's a, like, how does it make you feel? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's really, I'm sorry. That's really hard. Like that sucks. And I think the biggest thing too is even like the gifts you're talking about is like, like you can always say, I can tell you worked really hard on that. Yeah, You know what I mean? That, that is my favorite thing to say to kids is like, I can see you worked really hard on that, whether it's coloring or wow. like a building block or whatever. Cause sometimes like good job, like it, they don't know what, what is the good job? Did they finish yeah. the whole project? Is that the good job? Is mm. it, so saying like, I can tell you worked really hard on that. Or like, I like this aspect. Like I always try to be super specific with kids specifically of like, Hey, Oh, I love the color you picked blue. That's really cool. Or, yeah. Oh, I see that you did the, or oh, it looks like a dinosaur to me. What does that look like to you? Like whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but it's like, it helps them feel like, oh, they see it. They see the work I'm doing. They see what, you know, I'm caring about. And so, yeah, I'm sorry, Mar. I think you're a great singer. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think that's really important. It's like recognizing the things that stick out to you. And then Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, we can do that for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize that this book made me think a lot more about like the things that I should change than I thought it did. Yeah. Especially two and a half times speed. Oh, two and a half times speed. I'm surprised and you got anything. she's still changing my okay. life. Like crazy, girl. She did that. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, we could go on forever with this book already. But I think something that she talks about too that was really important as we wrap up is like she talks about loneliness and kind of you were talking about, but loneliness is perceived social isolation. So she said the lonely feeling is what like their family would use this phrase. They would come back from a place and they'd be like, I don't know, give me the lonely feeling. Or mm. they'd be like, Ooh, I don't want to do that. It's like gives me the lonely feeling. And so she was saying that the lonely feeling is a place that they don't feel is alive with connection. 
Oh, wow. And I loved that because actually the second she phrased it that way, I was like, oh my gosh. And I could think of so many places as a child. Not so many. Again, I'd be so dramatic. Yeah, for sure. Of a couple places as Not a child. Not dramatic, yeah. but I understand. <laughs> She's like, for sure, for sure. That is you, ma'am. <laughs> no, but I could think of certain situations and places where I would just, I would say I'd feel ucky. Like I'd leave and mm. I'm like, I don't like that. And I would realize it's like, because it felt like stuffy and dead and it just felt like kind of there was nothing there and I love that she phrased it as a place that doesn't feel alive with connection so she just talks a lot about loneliness and and then um something I thought was interesting is she said there's a quote it's a statistic actually it says living with air pollution increases your odds of dying early by five percent living with obesity 20 excessive drinking 30 and living with loneliness it increases your odds of dying dying early by 45 percent this literally, I remember I was in the shower. Okay. I am not on my 600 pound life. You are. So- okay, let me, let me start there. Okay. I am not the world's biggest woman, right? But um, she's a thick queen. <laughs> <laughs> she's a thick queen. Um, you're welcome, Hunter. And I on top of so that, though, when they said obesity, 20%, I was like, I'm dying tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, I'm tired. Getting a gym membership Man, to why was it? fitness, and I'm get, I'm taking this 20% back. For like, me, it was the drinking. I was like, oh, watch it. Say, <laughs> say. I was like, wow, but I guess anything can kill you. Anything <laughs> can kill you. Air pollution. I yeah, mean, come on. I know. We the walk around breathing that. We can't help it. I was crying. I literally was like, oh, uh, no second glass of wine for me. <laughs> we all have it. But so here's the thing. We just really don't need to worry about that. We need to worry about being lonely. Yeah, and so this podcast, that. we are together talking. We're good. Yes. These people are listening. They're Come hearing on. us. They're part of us. They're our friends. So they're good. Y'all are covered. Okay. Don't let that 45% no one here is scare alone. you. No one here is alone. Okay. You all have a belonging with us Amen. in the wilderness. Come on. <laughs> but I think that is a, this podcast. Yes, that is. I think that's a great note to end. I mean, we could honestly talk forever. Maybe we'll do a second episode on oh, this one. I feel like there's yeah. so much more to chat about. Hey, we could. If you want to, if you want it, let us know. If yes. you're like, no, get back to the fun books, get back to the steam and the juice. Mm-hmm. We can do that as well. Joel actually, he laughed so hard. I, he's heard Brene Brown. He's like, oh, so no spicy book this week. And I literally <laughs> was like, yep, it's probably time to switch it up a little. So. But if you guys want spicy or if you want spooky. Oh, that's a little bit of tea because you guys, we're going to spooky season and we have, we're just going to do a real great spooky month mm-hmm, for October. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you guys like true crime. Oh, come on. If you like mystery. Okay. We are only focusing on that in October. Come we're going to a lot of good stuff. Nancy, come we're going to read the first Nancy ever Drew. Nancy Drew for you, okay? I ha- I've read all of them. Me too. So good. That was a core memory for me. Going to the library too. and literally picking so I had up. all the very original old versions. Like the blue and kind of. Um, With the yellow spine. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. I had them all. Wow. A connection. Wow. <laughs> a connection. Okay. We're never truly alone. <laughs> yeah. And we're never going to stop talking if we don't. So. Yeah. My bad. You guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. And yeah. honestly, there was not a ton of tea to spill. It was more of just like we help you guys. This brings up like connection, conversations, things you guys can have maybe with your friends. So yeah. let us know if you want us to read more books in this genre. We kind of switched up for you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we will see you guys all next week. Yes. And if you would like to follow us on Instagram, it's got the Novelty Podcast on Instagram. Please give us five stars on Smash Spotify. the five stars. Smash it. Smash it. Okay. So like a few years ago, but smash it. Um, and also, if you are a true one, go to our Instagram on the latest post and put hashtag free the cows. I'm dying. <laughs> Bye. Bye.